Welcome to CB Talks, a podcast from SilverCloud Health, the leading global provider of evidence-based well-being and behavioral health solutions. I'm Dr. Jorge Palacios, and in each episode in this series, I sit down with leading mental health practitioners and advocates to discuss the most relevant issues regarding mental health and digital mental health technologies. So this November is Mental Health Awareness Month, and it's dedicated to raising awareness of a wide range of men's mental health issues. And as we focus on men this month, we can't ignore the fact that men tend to be more reluctant to seek help or treatment for their mental health struggles. In fact, in comparison to women, men are almost half as likely to report seeking professional help for their mental health concerns, with only 36% of referrals to the NHS talking therapies being for men. Now, suicide is also the biggest cause of death for men under 35, and 12% of men in the UK are suffering from one of the more common mental health disorders. To help me talk about this and, and, and other relevant topics, my guest for this episode is none other than Marcel Somerville. Now, he gained public attention in 2017 on the ITV hit reality show Love Island, and previously he was a member of the well-known group blazing squad. Well, he soon came to realize, though, that the impact of being in the spotlight on mental health was big, and he's gone through a lot of ups and downs in his life, having recently become a parent. So he'll also share the anxieties and worries that come from those first parenting years. So Marcel, thank you so much for coming on board and joining our podcast, having this conversation with me. Thank you for having me. Like, I'm, I feel like it's a really important thing to discuss. So I'm glad that that I can give my my views and my yeah. kind of like experiences in regards to it. Yeah, yeah. And well, thanks uh, for mentioning it, because that's actually precisely the reason why I'm, I'm really grateful to you, because, um, you know, it, the, the reality is your voice reaches a lot of people. And the fact that you're using it to talk about this uh, subject matter, which is hugely important, uh, I think is, is a, it's a great thing that you're doing just, just to talk about it, because I think that's a big, big step that a lot of people still can't take. You know, I do think we've, we've made progress, societal progress in terms of yeah. opening up about mental health, but not enough, you know, and there's still a long way to go. And especially uh, for men, um, and um, obviously, this is Men's Health Awareness Month, uh, so that will be a subject of, of, of the conversation. And we'll get to it, obviously, yep. but um, let's do this chronologically, right? Yep. Um, because you have been open about, you know, going, um, you know, going through some ups and downs in your career. Yeah. And uh, so let's, let's start from when, you know, you really shot to fame for the first time, right? Yeah. Um, which is, you know, when you were in... In Blazing Squad, you were really young, right? How, how old yeah. were you, Romano? We got signed when we was fifteen years old, so um, we were like literally hadn't even done our GCSEs, hadn't done anything. Yeah, it man. was literally we wanted to make music. Went to a studio. We was really making music just to kind of impress the girls at school and impress sure. the people at school. So, yeah. oh, oh, they've got their own song, like 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 yeah. like, like that. Yeah. That was the like mentality of it. But then yeah. getting the record deal and all of those kind of things, it was literally like. Obviously, you like you was experiencing it with your friends, but you had to grow up really fast because you had a job. Like you, we literally had a job at fifteen years old, and it was a intense job, and it took a lot to like. Mm. It was every day doing something different, every day getting yourself like prepared for 
all of the emotions, all of the the highs and all the lows that were going to come with the experience of being famous at 15. The people that you go to school with are looking at you differently. Some people are looking at you in a negative way. Some people are looking mm. at you in a positive way. You don't know how people are mm. really like taken to the fact that, that you've now become this person that people are going to be looking at in a different way. Yeah. And I think in fairness, I mean, because I do want to ask you about like your friends at the time and how they react, but you know, it's hard to react to something like that when you're on the other side. I mean, if you've got a friend who suddenly becomes famous and has all of this money and responsibilities and you don't like, how do you, how do you respond to that? You know, I guess it's hard at that age to respond to anything that big, yeah. you know, in a mature way, because you're, you're not ready, right? Did you lose a lot of friends? Did you have to kind of rethink who you hung out with? Did it just happen naturally? Like, how, how was that? I think, um, I think with me, like, all of the friends that I was, so so obviously like like the Blazing Squad was formed from school. So I was friends with a, yeah. with, with, with a lot of the boys in the squad anyway. But then my other friends from um, from my other friend group were, um, they were all very supportive. They used to come to the shows. Literally, I'm still like best friends with the majority of them now. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like they all came to my wedding. So I feel like I had a good group of friends around me, but there was all, mm. there was, there was obviously people um, who did, try to become my friend because yeah, I was sure. famous and because of those different things. And it's like, sometimes when you're that young, you don't really know like who's really there for you and who's, who's really going to support you because, because when you do become famous, you do um, like it, like, like it is kind of like a situation where you make a lot of new friends and mm. like, 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 like sometimes you might start hanging out with those new friends more than you did your old friends. Mm. But then when it gets to a point when, things aren't where they used to be or things start right. changing. Right. Like the people that you would think are oh, like, oh, like I'm friends with this person. The support yeah. of that person kind of like sometimes disappears and you yep. don't really, and and sometimes it's like, you're trying to like, can I go back to my old friends and like try and have them as, as, as my support system. So it is a very hard thing to kind of navigate, especially being that young. Yeah. 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 And it, and it kind of happened fast for you in a way, right? Because yeah. you, you, you know, you, you got the deal um, and, you know, you did the music videos and the concerts and then you were dropped, yeah. right, by yeah. the label. How was that for you? So, so we, like, like, like as a squad, we, were, like, we got signed at 15, released our first single at 16 after, like, doing all of the preparations and all that kind of stuff. First single went to number one. We were flying. Mm -hmm. We were like, yo, like, we've made it. This is a crazy yeah. situation. Like, like, done two albums. Had, like, I think we had six top tens, but, the um the albums wasn't weren't selling as much as the label wanted and they and and after i think it was about 5 5 years on the label they basically said um we're not going to take the the option for the third album and um i think i was i think i was 20 or 21 when when we got that news and it was literally like what do i do now i went through a stage when um because i was that famous i felt i felt that famous it was like how am I going to go and get a normal job? How am I going to go and like get the train to go to work? How am I going to go and do all of these things? And it was like a real kind of anxiety about what I was going to be doing next because yeah. at the time when, when it all happened, the band kind of like separated. Everyone was trying to do their own individual things, but then it kind of got to a point when like we didn't really know what, what our next steps were. Like some, some boys were, 
were were getting into production. Some boys were were still trying to rap. Some boys were just like they were just like, "Yeah, I'm ready to go and go go and get a normal job." But for me, it was like a situation of like I still had a passion for music, but mm. the people, the like the the management and the and agents at the time, they didn't really like think, "Oh, like oh, like you you can do anything. You you can't do anything else." Like we've exhausted our our. Our options, do you know what I mean? And like hearing that as a as a young man who hasn't gone to university, hasn't gone to college, you're like, this was my life, and now you're saying like, like I can't do anything. So you've got self doubt creeping in, anxiety about getting into the real world, and like I literally, I just fell into like a I call it a depression because I was literally for about about a year, I'd say like I was just in a rut. I was literally waking up in my dressing gown, going downstairs, playing the computer just trying to just get through the days and just being like, because I didn't know what I, what I was actually meant to do. I didn't know what I was going to do. It was like a real, a real situation. Like my mom calls it the dressing gown days because literally I spent all of my days just in a dressing gown. And like, when you're trying to like mentally get yourself into a, into a like thing to like be like, your mask, come on, you can do this. You can do something. Um, it was just really, it was just really, really hard. And I remember um, I was young and I had a mortgage and I was like, all right, cool. I can't forever just live off the money that's been saved from Blazing Scott because after a while, that's going to run out and like, I need to, do, to be doing something. And yeah. um, and one of my friends was working at a music publishing company. And um, I remember like being like, all right, Mars, just like, just, just, just ask if there's anything going. Just ask if there's anything going. Because um, because for a long time, my dad was saying, Mars, why don't you go to college and become an electrician? Why don't... And I was like, because I want to make music. I don't want to be an electrician. Like, I can't just go and become an electrician because it's not who who, who I yeah. want to be. It's not who it's not who, who I've been. Do you know what I mean? And like right. trying to get yourself into like a mindset of you've got to make a change for your life. Like, because you need to, like, you've got responsibilities. You've got a mortgage. You've got, you've got things that... that that you need to do you're 20 years old in it like but mentally i was like there was just so much going on in that year and i just didn't know how to how to how to kind of like navigate it but like my mum was like i'd say my mum was always my rock she was always the person who would try and say to me mars i know you're going through through things right now but when you find the right thing you'll know just 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 believe that that there's going to be a light at the end of the tunnel you're gonna you're gonna get through this moment and when and once you do you're gonna be in a in a position where you can kind of like take the step that you need to take and then and and that's when i that's when i spoke to my friend and i was like can i like like can you see if there's anything there for me and like literally Mm -hmm. by taking the leap and taking the actual the gamble to do it it was like I've got a job and I was like, I've got a job now. Like, like, like I can, I can pay the mortgage. Yeah. I can do what, what I need to do. It was like, I was starting from the bottom of a company and like, you got to think going from having a number one single, being on tour, doing arenas yeah. and doing all of that kind yeah. of stuff. And then going back to yeah. like starting as a temp at a company that you might not even have a permanent job, but you're, but you're temp in there. Mentally, it was a tough thing to take. And then you walk into the office, everyone's looking at you. Oh, like, that's the guy from Blaze. And then automatically you've got, more anxiety like it's, it was it was yeah. it was a hard it was a hard hard situation to be in yeah yeah, yeah. well th- thanks for for describing all that like there is so much obviously you know your situation is quite unique but there's so much in in what you say regarding your anxieties and depression that's relatable you know like mm. this this dressing gown period like it even has a name right <laughs> yeah, and it's a name that you and your like bedrock put to it because it was a very defined period of your life. Now yeah. you had, I think, the advantage 
um, and you know, uh, tell me if you disagree, but you found your passion early on. Yeah. And, like you stuck to, you knew that was your passion. Whereas mm. funnily enough for, for me, my anxieties growing up was because I, I didn't know what my passion was. Like it was like yeah. a ton of things. And so I didn't know I was lost because I didn't know what I wanted to do. You were lost because you found it and then suddenly it was taken, taken away. away yeah. You, right. But you know, but it's a commonality. There's a commonality there and how you, you know, escape from that is, is really important. You took this risk that also came with the anxieties of, you know, entering into something on the other yeah. opposite side, you know, not the guy who's yeah. in the band who, Hey, like everything's coming to me. Now I have to earn. Yeah, earn but it, yeah, right? so literally. Tell me again through that, like those early days of, you know, starting as a temp, um, did, did the stress, like, did you channel that somehow into motivating you to get, you know, continue to climb or, you know, was it always something that really like you felt was dragging you down? Like, how did you deal with it? Do you know what? I, I remember that. I remember the first, the first few weeks of being a temp and it was like, cause like my company was in, um, was in central London. So I had to get on the tube and mm. being on the tube early mornings, everyone used to recognize me and be like, what are you doing on the tube? I'm like, I'm going to work in it. And then they're like, you're going to work. Like, what do you mean? Like, what do you do? Like, like you're not meant to work in the, in, in the thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah no, no, no. Um, I work at a publishing company and I do, I, I, I do royalty management and all that kind of stuff. So then I'm having these conversations about, about what I'm doing. And I was like, all right, where you are, Mars, like you've got, to, you've got, to, you've got to take, take a second and literally just, mm. just work out what your plan is from here. The job that I had was, to make money so I could pay mortgages, I could do whatever I needed to do. But aside from that, I was always going to be trying to produce music, trying to DJ, mm. trying to do whatever it was I, I, I could do to kind of fulfill that need, that, that passion in me to like, I'm still doing mm. music. I'm still making my things. I'm still, I'm still, I'm, I'm, I'm still me. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm still me. And, and, yeah, and yeah. one day something's good is going to come from this. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, I stayed at the company for 10 years and I worked myself from a temp up to being like a um, key account manager. So I was looking after all of the, the, the massive companies, like like royalties and all that kind of stuff. And I remember like, like looking back and being like, do you know what? I've, I, I took this job, I excelled in the job and I got myself to a point when I was, I was happy in my job. Like I was comfortable in my job. And um, obviously like I still had the passions like, like, like to go and tour and to do these different things. But I knew like sometimes you've got to go through through these points in your life where you've got to take yourself out of your comfort zone. Like being on stage yep. is, is, is actually my comfort zone. Whenever I go on stage, I'm literally in my element. But when I'm out of that environment, I don't feel like myself. But I knew that I was good on computers. I knew I was good on all of these things. So I took that and turned my ability to like make music and all that kind of stuff into my ability to make spreadsheets and to make all these different things. And like, like it's, 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 it's weird, but... I I kind of like took 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 the energy that I would be giving into that and put it into the new job and that's how I kind of worked my way up because because I was learning things at my new job that other people couldn't do and like it made yeah. me important so I think that that kind of gave me a little bit of self worth that yeah you might not be doing what you used to be doing yeah. but people still value you as a person in it and as the years went on the anxieties of getting on the tube faded I love getting on the tube do you know what I mean like I'm like like all yeah. all, all of those things that I was scared of because 
I went straight from school. I was getting in Mercedes's book, picking us up from school to take us to choreography and all that kind of stuff to, to being like, all right, I'll call them when I get up seven o'clock in the morning, be on a tube, miss my train, got to run after a bus to get the next train, all, like, like, like all of these different things that I would have been scared of. They kind of fizzled out. And I think, mm. I think that was like something that I've kind of like took into like all of my, life since working at the company i've i've been able to like be like you know what when situations happen you can deal with them you've just gotta you just gotta like take a moment to evaluate what what's what's actually going on and is it is it workable and if you can make it work make it work do you know what i mean yeah that's great that, that, i mean there's a lot of life lessons there um and uh, i think yeah again a lot of people appreciate you sharing all that i think one of the things that struck out when you were talking is embracing the little things and the unexpected things like, you know, those conversations in the tube and then those conversations in the tube that were firstly about, Hey, Hey, you're, you know, you're Marcel Sanre, you should be out there, you know, playing, yeah. you know, concerts, right. Fuller concerts. What are you doing here with us to then, Hey, no, no, no. Hey, but I like, that doesn't define me. I'm not just that I can be this as well. Yeah. And so, yeah, you're a guy who loves music and you're passionate about music, but you can also do spreadsheets <laughs> and, you know, I love them out of the park. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, so um, it's also about self-discovery, right? Like yeah. in doing these things which are difficult, you know, if you tap internally, you can discover who you are more and more. And that's, you know, a big part of being alive, you know. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's great that you channeled uh, that experience into something really positive. Um, and so then obviously there's Love Island, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, how did you decide to go on that show? This is actually a really like strange, funny, coincidental situation that I found myself in. So the year before I'd actually done the show, my company that I'd been at for 10 years, worked my mm -hmm. way up to like being like a nice level at the company. Um, they decided to merge with another company and they were moving the company to Leeds. So I was getting made redundant. Mm -hmm. So um, again, again, you work yourself up to a point and then yeah. it gets snatched away from you. And this, this is what I was saying. Like I, I, I learned from my previous situation as to how to handle this situation. So, because, because obviously like, yeah, like I've been at this company for 10 years. I still hadn't gone to college, still hadn't anything, but all of my, all of like me getting the next job would have just basically been off of my work experience from this company. So um, the year before, the agent that I had for the longest time when we was doing like small little blazing squad gigs, um, he called me and was like, Mars, like, would you um, would you be interested in going to Love Island? And I was like, do you know what? I'm getting made redundant. Why not? I literally said, why not? Right. So um, so I went down, had a, um, had an interview, but like this was partway through the current season and they just wanted like, they, they wanted new people to go into the show as bombshells. I went down, had my interview. They loved me. I went and done a medical, but then when, when it got to my psych evaluation, I basically said to them, like, because, because I'd been watching the show because, because there was all this talk about me going on it. And I, and, and I literally said, I don't really see any people that are like me on the show. So I'm kind of a little bit anxious about going on and putting myself into a situation where not saying that, that, that people don't like, they won't like me or whatever it is, but I've been watching the show and I'm a little bit anxious about going on there and being rejected or whatever it is. And, and they yeah, didn't, and, yeah. and, and, and that year they didn't put me on the show. The following year, the start of the year, um, I got another call through and it was like, Mars, they want you to come back and have another chat with the producers. So I went down, had a chat with the producers and it, it was kind of like I got fast tracked through and like literally got the call and was like, Mars, they want they want you to go on the show. So 
I was still at the company because we were, we were going through all of our redundancy things and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, yeah. at the point I was fit like, like, like before I got the call, I was thinking, oh, so I'm going for redundancy. Didn't get onto Love Island. Like I'm going for redundancy. I'm going to have to just like take whatever money I'm going to get and just try and work out what I'm going to do next. And then the call came through and, um, and yeah, literally like they put me onto the show. It's like I like it's like I said predicted what was going to happen because me saying oh, I'm not too sure like obviously like the show's not really catered to people of of my background previously so it's like I'm not too sure how it's going to go down first day of the show I'm the first boy to walk into the villa the girls are meant to step forward if they answer me and it was literally like I I stepped in there all the girls went nope and I was like literally world eat me now because all my anxieties all all my all my fears. Yeah. literally came to fruition yeah, yeah. and I was like this is crazy yeah. like this it's is like, like, I literally I knew it. it I literally knew it but um but obviously after yeah. after that day literally it all turned around I kind of got through the show I got to the final of the show so you know I mean it was it mm. was it yeah. was it was worth the experience but it was again another situation when I was like yo anxieties can get the best of you and sometimes when they do you've got to kind of like put yourself into a frame of mind when you're like I can't let this defeat me because literally the first week I was in there after that after that day I was like I'm at the end of this week like I'm literally like not going to pair with anyone I'm going home yeah. going home so I said to myself there was one day I said to myself Mars just pretend you're on holiday when you're on holiday you always have a good time girls fancy you it's all great do you know what I mean you'll be fine you'll be fine and then literally like I got through that first week and, every, and, and, and by the end of the first week everyone wanted to be my best friend on the show because I was just like bare chilled out I was just bare relaxed <laughs> But I think that all came from all of the experiences before. I yeah. think learning from my previous experiences, kind of like all all of those things that led up to that first day, I kind of was like, hmm. you can deal with situations like this, Mars. Yeah, yeah. And because um, that's the thing with anxiety, it's so clear sometimes to me because, you know, I get it as well. And I, I, I get nervous every time I do a podcast, right? Or or every time like I, I give a speech or at a conference, right? And uh, I... I always like kind of need to ask people, you know, did, did you notice anything? I thought it was just like saying <laughs> whatever, you know, because I, I do kind of still need for someone to say, no, mm. no, you're great. And it is that validation that we seek, but it's also because of that anxiety yeah. that we have that we're like, no, like, you know, it, the, the, the reality is always so much different, right? Because I'm sure people who have watched you on the show and saw that, are thinking, God, like in this show or this episode, he was like mm, dying yeah. inside, right? Whereas obviously there's a lot of production and everything. And, you know, like, you know, a lot of people are like really cocky when they come on. But like, maybe they're thinking something completely different or maybe like you, they're just imagining <laughs> they're anywhere yeah. else, right? Far away. Um, just whatever they can imagine to get them through that. But got through, you did. And, uh, and it, and it changed yeah. your life again, right? Because suddenly you were you're in the spotlight again. And did you expect, like, when you you know returned to the real world, did you expect, you know, the the reaction? Um, because Love Island, it was the third season, right? So it wasn't that still that big as it is now. But no, so so our season was the season that kind of like blew it up. Yeah, yeah. So up, um, right? so mm. so I remember being being in the show, and people were coming in and going. Yo, it's crazy out there, guys. Like, 
they love you, Mars. And I was like, they love me? I was like, this is amazing. This is the best news I've ever heard. Like, but this is this is like four or four or five weeks into the show when people are coming in and and, and they're like, yo, it's, it's, it's gone crazy out there. It's gone crazy out there. So obviously you've got expectations, but I still when we came back and there was there was like a sea, there was like a sea of people at the airport, fans with banners and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, like I wasn't expecting I wasn't expecting this. Do you know what I mean? I wasn't expecting it to be like this. And it was right. like the nation had just been taken over by Love Island. Like it's like we were getting recognized by everyone. And I was like, I semi felt like obviously being famous previously had semi prepared me for being famous now, but it's still, it's a, it's, it's still a very different kind of vein that I'm in now because back in the, back, back in those days, like, like, like you didn't have Instagram and Twitter. So you didn't have trolls. If someone was going to troll you, they'd like, they they'd get your phone number from somewhere and and, and you get a private phone number and they're oh, like yeah. saying all the all the horrible stuff and right. you're like oh my god I got to change my phone number now that's how deep trolling was because but like trolling now it's right. like it's it's relentless because you've literally got anyone anyone can make yeah. a fake a fake account and just say the the worst stuff in the whole entire world to you mm. and not care do you know what I mean like like they're they're anonymous so how do you balance that out that like on the one side everybody loving you. And, yeah. you know, you walk into a club and everyone's like screaming to like hang out with you or just on the street and then having this supremely negative comments from random people, because obviously you embrace all the positive things. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the thing. Because it's easy to do that. But then it's hard not to like, you know, let the negative in. Like, how do you reject one and accept the other? How do you do that? Sometimes it's hard. It's hard not to look because obviously in the comments, mm -hmm. like there's like, I remember when I first got out, there was all of the the racial stuff. There was all of these different things coming out. And I was like, like, I didn't read my comments. Like I so, saw so so even if people were saying the nicest thing in those comments, they were getting they weren't getting seen because I was like, you know what? Like I'm not gonna put I'm I'm not gonna put myself through it reading the comments and um and just upsetting my soul in it. Do you know what I mean? I don't yeah. I like, like 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 I don't want that energy. I want I only want yeah. the positive energy yeah. from 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 this current situation but sometimes it is it is hard to avoid it do you know what i mean it's, it's hard to avoid it because because there was one period i went through like a massive like public public breakup and like there was press stories coming out which is which is already stressful then there's all of the all of the horrible comments that are coming through and i was literally like i was i, I was in a point when i was like i i can't i can't do this because the people the people from the press they didn't they they probably didn't realize that they were they were being trolls but they were like at me in their horrible stories and i was like 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 it's this is this is this is a lot of pressure and and and, and that was probably the my lowest point in this in my current in in this new fame that was probably my lowest point because it was around the time my nan passed away then the stories came out and then like and then one of one of my my close friends from the show took his life like he was basically going through like a similar kind of situation and it was literally like yeah. like i can't i literally don't know how i'm how i'm how i'm managing this because it was it was like hor it was horrendous horrendous i remember literally like being at home i was i was in my room crying my mum was on the phone and I was like, Mum, I can't do it. I can't do this. I can't do this. And and and, and she was like, Mars, like, just stop, just stop. You can. Just just try and relax. Just just do whatever is gonna make you happy in this moment because you need to, like, like like you need to. But I don't think people really understand the pressure and the stress that kind of like when it's one thing happening, you can semi kind of like tolerate it. But then when it's when it's like like multiple things stacking on top of each other, 
it like like sometimes the pressure can get to a point when it's like this is too much for just me to carry. And I remember my mum, like like my mum was was on the phone to me consistently. My my two cousins, my best friend Perry, like 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 everyone was just was just calling me. They came round, wanted to sit with me, just brought me a beer and was like, Mars, let's just play FIFA and just mm. just just try and just just try and put yeah. you into a bubble because you need to just have people around you right now. And I, and 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 I I remember that day so clearly. Like it was it was a day when I was just going through it all. And I remember them all coming around and and just being there. And it was just like. It was it, that was an important time. Do you know what I mean? It was a really important time because uh, it was it was hard. So I want to pause it right there, uh, Marcel, because what you just said, I think, is key and is super important for people to hear twice. And that is the fact that people were there for you. They were just there. I've gotten this question asked a lot: What do I say, or how do I get someone to open up, or how do I support someone going through mental health difficulties when they don't want to seek, you know? further treatment. And that's the first step is just, just be a physical presence there for them. You know, um, you obviously had it exponentially, you know, it's, it's, it's the unfortunate price of, of being in the spotlight and being famous, you know, um, instead of one bully at school, you had a, a thousand, thousand bullies yeah. online that, you know, don't care and can't even see you. So they don't care. They just put it out into the ether and they don't know that you're Nan just died. Mm. They don't know that you lost a friend to the same thing, you know, and you're going down that path and you don't want to, obviously. Um, so it's very, very, uh, again, important. And, uh, and I'm grateful that you're sharing this in such detail because in the details where people can go, yeah, like I, 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 yeah, I, I went through the yeah. same thing. I, I went to my room and, and cried out, all day and it took my best friend or my mother to come in and say hey hey no look i'm here like remember like think of something cool let's just like play a game mm. and forget about that for a minute mm? it's really important so i think i think that's that's super important and can i ask then like because you know of your previous experience of you know losing um the record deal and you know suddenly crashing down did that like how did you tap into that then to deal with you know this situation um, coming out of Love Island, I feel like it was it was a very different like 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 it was a very different kind of situation. But um, but mm. I think I think after after going through the the record deal being lost and like and 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 not really understanding how I was going to move forward, and then getting into the job, redundancy coming up, getting onto the show, I was always like like there's always been something positive to come after anything negative like do you know what I mean like I feel like I feel like no matter what in whatever situation if you give it enough time you'll find the next good thing do you know what I mean like like like, like there's always something good on the on the horizon somewhere but it's just about taking yourself through the 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 low mm. to get yourself to that next high that no matter what what's what's happening right now it might seem like it's the worst thing you're you're experiencing in your life but if you look around, you're gonna have people there that's gonna be there to that that wanna support yeah. you, that wanna be there for you. And if you look at them people and they're still there for you, you can get to like a point once 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 whatever's going on becomes like old news, you can move on yeah. and, 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 and and take the steps to become the next yeah. version of you, no matter what's what's happening. There's something there that you can work towards to like to 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 bring you back to where you should be. Do you know what I mean? To where your heart yeah. needs to be. 
you know, it, like this, this whole balance in life and, and the good and the bad and the yin and yang, everybody has a, a different yeah. um, expression and a different analogy. I, I like to say that without the bitter, the sweet ain't so sweet. Yeah, you know, if we didn't that. have those moments. And that's the truth. We wouldn't be grateful for the, for the positive that's, that's ones. That's literally so the truth. So, uh, and Marcel, one, one more thing to dive a little bit deeper into the subject of, you know, how, yes, there, there has been this shift in society, um, but it's not enough, you know, there's still a long way to go, yeah. right? Um, and especially if we think back to when you first were in the spotlight and back to those days where really no one, no one was admitting um, that they were stressed or anxious during a show. Um, you didn't have these celebrities, you know, open up and... And obviously now you do, but it still, you know, puts you in a vulnerable position. Mm. It still comes with a lot of responsibility. How how do you navigate that now? Because it is once you once you talk about it, then you know you are Marcel Somerville who talks about mental yeah. health, right? That's also a part of who you are. So, you know, is that challenging as well for you? Do you know what? Um, I feel like I feel like the the point in 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 my life when I was like, do you know what? Like, I need to I need to talk about this because. Like it's 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 important that people know that they can talk and like voice voice how they're feeling because sometimes if you hold it in, like it like it's it don't always end up being end up in the best way because like um after after doing doing Love Island, one of one of my close friends from from the show Mike he he took his life after the show, and um I remember there was there was so much about the aftercare and all of those things from the show. But it was, but, but for me, it was like, I spoke to him two weeks before it all happened and he seemed like he was fine. And he, and he, he was inviting me to like, a, um, to the opening of his restaurant and all those different things. And I was like, how, how do you go from, from that to, to something so serious happening? And it was because obviously I feel like he, he felt like he couldn't express himself to people and he couldn't like, 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 like say out because there was, there'd be something stopping him from doing it and I remember like, like there were similar things happening in both of our lives and, and I remember speaking to my cousin and speaking to my mom and speaking to my best friends about the situation and and them helping me through it and 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 I feel like some people need to know that sometimes you just gotta express yourself and just 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 let people know that you're you're going through something because they're there to they'll help you. Do you know what I mean? And 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 like, like my people helped me, and I, and and I just feel like it was really important for me to kind of like let like my younger followers and all of those all all of the people looking to me as a as as a role model or, or or whatever it is that I'm not afraid to like say how I'm feeling because I know it's gonna benefit me to 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 kind of share the load because sometimes sharing the load is it makes things easier because some someone might say to you have you thought about this and then they've given you an a kind of like an option or a direction that you could potentially go that's going to help you get through whatever you're going through and I feel like I feel like that's that 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 was the the, the importance to me because it was having a voice and like letting people know that they've all got voices and you don't need to hold yeah. in. Um, you don't need to pretend or hide the yeah. fact you're going through something because like we're all going through things and like if you can talk to someone about what you're going through they might be able to give you the the energy or the or the positivity that you need to like take the steps that you need to get through your situation yeah and really really important to say you know those those two sides of the coin to not assume that 
you know, your friends are fine, you know, to, to watch, watch for those, you know, little instances mm. of, you know, maybe this, you know, maybe they're not. And, you know, uh, let me just say that I'm here for them or if they want to talk about it, but also, you know, even in the good times to like, you know, maybe break that facade and say, Hey, yeah, okay. I'm, you know, I'm, it seems like I'm being yeah. very successful and that I've got all these friends, but actually, you know what? Um, I'm feeling really, really lonely right now. Um, and it's, I think it's just as important in those times, which apparently are the successful times. Or if you are someone, you know, like yourself, who a lot of people assume, hey, look, like he's famous and he's got a great life and he just got like, you know, like, you know, it's almost like you're not even given a chance to, you know, be anxious or depressed or wrong that's because it. you've got a great that's life. It. But that's, but that's, that's but not it's, true. But it's, like, anyway. it's, never, it's never always the case because because literally like, like, like even now, like I've got my beautiful son, I've got my beautiful wife, I've, I'm, I, like, like, like I've, I've, I've got a lot going on in my life, but sometimes I, I still have days when I'm like, do you know what? I don't feel, I don't feel great today. I don't feel, I don't feel my best today. Yeah. There's, there's still other things going on in life that can like take away mm-hmm. from you being your best self. Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm-hmm. in life, mm-hmm. there's always things that, that, that occur that aren't good things. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes you, you get bad news or sometimes like someone's not well or whatever it is. And those things can, can kind of trigger you. But it's about like now, like being married, I've got my wife that I can actually like speak to when I need to. Do you know what I mean? Like, 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 like if, if I'm going through something, I'll, I'll speak to her. Do you know what I mean? And and it's like, yeah, making sure that you're, you're communicating when you are feeling low and you are feeling down is, 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 is key to getting yourself into a better frame of mind in the long run. You, you recently uh, became a father. How, how old's your your guy? So Roman is he's gonna be two in January at the end of January. So so I think he's like gonna say twenty one months. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I I think I think we should stop counting after twelve. It's funny how yeah, it's like, yeah there's seventeen months. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah I, I mean, it gets I confusing. <laughs> it gets confusing. Like, yeah, it's just a little under two, a little yeah. over two. Yeah, mine is a little over two. Oh, cool, um, cool. I know you have your podcast mm. and you talk about this a lot and so you've tapped into it, but um, obviously, you know, well, just, I mean, tell me straight up the gate, like how, how's navigating parenthood been for you? Like, like what's the first thing that comes to your mind when you, when you talk about it? So, uh, so parenthood, I feel like parenthood is, it's the best job in the world, but at the same mm. time, it's, it's, there's so many things that go into becoming a new parent and you don't have a clue about. And sometimes you can literally just like, you can, you can, you can confuse yourself with the simplest things. But, um, but for me, I feel like there's no right or wrong way to parent. Obviously there's, there's things that that you should never do, but I feel like when you're becoming a new parent, you've just literally got a, just dive into the fact that 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 this person yeah. you're responsible for this person, so you, you got to make sure they're safe. You got to make sure they're fed and all of those different things. But but I feel like sometimes you can again be be anxious about the responsibilities. I remember I was anxious about changing a nappy. I was anxious oh, about yeah. how how hot his oh, bottle was. Bath. Do you know what I mean? Like the all first yeah. Bath, I was like. You know, what am I doing here? Like, scared, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. Putting a baby right, down yeah. in their cot and and walking out the room, yeah. you get scared of that. Oh, do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's 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 because of the responsibility you're given. You literally don't want anything wrong to happen and anything bad to happen. Mm-hmm. So 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 it's just a nat- natural anxiety you you will naturally get as a parent. I feel like 
once he grows up and and he's going off to like to college or he's going out with his friends, I'm gonna be like a nervous wreck. When's he coming home? Oh yeah, like all of that kind of stuff is is is, is something that It we're gonna live change. with for forever. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Until un, yeah. until they're of age when when they're like and you know they're sensible and they're and they're they're not gonna be getting themselves into too much trouble. But even then, even then, yeah, exactly. Like, You're still yeah, gonna be panicking. At least that's what my mother said. Like, <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think um, for me, like, obviously, there's a lot of cliches about um, being parents. Um, but uh, for me, what like one of the things that's like the, the one of the ultimate truths is nothing can prepare you for it. It's like true. No, no matter how much you read about it, no matter how much you talk about it, suddenly you're there. You know, you've seen videos. Everyone's <laughs> told you, and you're holding him. And yeah. then you have to put him down into the water for his birth, first bath. You're like, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, this can't happen. But anyway, here I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This kind of here I am. Let's see what happens, right? Um, but I do like the way how you say, you know, anxiety is a natural thing mm. when you're a parent. Like, how can you not be anxious you if you've got a, 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 like a human being, a human, small little human baby that you have to keep alive? How 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 does that not make you anxious, right? So it's kind of embracing that, yeah. right? which is what you did. You know, it's awesome that you have your podcast because you can, it's a way of just, you know, yeah. externalizing everything and, and being lighthearted about it. But the reality is, is that there are days which are, incredibly difficult yeah. and they have been obviously for new parents like us in this you know last couple of years in the pandemic with lockdowns with you know all of that being away from family it's like it's it's been really tough and because this is something that i went through i wanted to ask you as well like how did you share the anxiety and the panic with your partner you know how did you deal with it do you know what i feel like um i feel like me and me and bex were during lockdown, because because there's so much stuff happened in my life during lockdown, like I got diagnosed with diabetes, which is which is an absolute. It rocked my 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 whole world because I, I I literally nearly died during during the lockdown. Like, like I thought like I thought oh my god I might have COVID, yeah. but then it turned out that I was diabetic, and literally I, I found that out the week after I found that I was having my son. So like there were so many things happening throughout it that was like I need to make sure that 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 I'm okay because mm. i need to be there for my son i need to be the dad that's running around and doing all these different things and i think mm. that 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 kind of gave me the mentality that like um whatever whatever's happening in life right now i've got to make sure that i'm fine rebecca's fine and that roman in the future is going to be fine and when it, when he was born it was literally like our support system in the house was like it was it was it was phenomenal we was like a we were like the, the best team there was actually there was one there was one period because obviously like obviously the mother the mother gets the golden arrow and all those kind of things and i was a bit worried that roman wasn't going to bond with me as much and because bex mm. was, was was breastfeeding and, and 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 doing all of the the comforting and all that kind of stuff i was like like I, I remember saying to her at one point i was like bex like i like i just need something to do just let me have something to do with him because I want to have, mm. I want to be yeah, building those right. connections as well because those are those are the things. As as dads, you kind of like somehow. Sometimes you feel like oh, I'm, I'm not as I'm not as important to the baby as the mother is because obviously the mother's carried him for carried yeah. him for that nine yeah. months. Like, Fair like, enough, like, right? like exactly, yeah. exactly. But at the same time, you kind of still have the anxiousness of you want to have a relationship with your baby. You want to have you want to have that connection in it. So. Mm. I remember like I started doing like the bath time routine and then and then the bedtime and it's like um 
and then and then all the other things in between we'd kind of share and Bex would do 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 the things that she enjoyed doing and all that kind of stuff so we kind of like worked a balance and then once we got that balance we've kind of like maintained it all the way through him being yeah. gone from a baby to like a toddler so we've always been we've always kind of had that that kind of like team team kind of like dynamic with him finding that bond with your son so that you can hold on to something positive too because for me it was really difficult to be you know the bedrock for my partner and for my son so just making sure everything's fine everyone's asking how's she doing how's the baby doing right it's your that's your responsibility yeah. i rarely have ever got asked how i yeah. was doing even though it was, <laughs> you know like stressed incredibly difficult <laughs> yeah. and stressed um but i was like fine fine you know like mm. my role right now is to just support that but it's if you don't find that bond or something positive that gives gives you back then you know like it can you know snowball into yeah. resentment or you know you can fall too deep in your own stress or anxiety so uh, i want to ask you this because the first time i truly bonded with my son uh, or i remember one of the first times is i was the one who made him laugh for the first time uh. and, uh, <laughs> it's thanks to this this like crazy hair that i have i was just like doing yeah. this and suddenly like a laugh burst out and I was like, this yeah. is the best. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so which was, which was it for you? There's, there's one moment I remember, um, we, we had him sleeping in his cot on the side of the, on, on the side of the bed, but he, but he was always next to, um, ne- next to Bex. But I remember there was one, one night when he, when he was literally like a tiny, tiny baby. Yeah. And me and Bex were playing some music and, and I remember it was like, like, like I had to pick, like, I think I just changed his bum and I picked him up and I was just like, 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 like kind of holding him, rocking him, trying to put him to sleep. And the music was mm. playing. And all of a sudden, I just, I remember just having just tears streaming down my face. And I was like, yeah. I was like, why am I crying like this? And then she was like, she was like, <laughs> you just, you're in yeah. love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was like, it was like, it was like, I was like, this is, yeah, mm. that's the feeling. That's the feeling you, you have. Cause obviously I cried when yeah. he was born. But then, like having him in the house, and then just, just, just like having a moment, just like, just feeling like I'm holding my son in it. Like, and I remember just they, they, they were just coming out, and I just couldn't stop them coming out. It was amazing. And, um, and just, just right there. Thank you for for doing that. Even admitting those, you know, tears and sensibility for for men is super difficult, you know. And I, and I want to um, show my appreciation, but I, by also saying that, yeah, I've, I've like been looking at him with a song playing and I'm kind of singing it to him mm. and just having him look back at me has like, yeah. you know, let it, let the tears flow. And it's, it's, it's incredible. And why should it be a negative thing? Why it's, are men yeah. so adamant to say that, you know, it's wrong to do that when it's a beautiful thing? It is. It's, it's, I, I feel like it's one of, I feel like sometimes having a cry and having like an emotional moment is one of the most important parts of being human. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like, I feel like it's important to experience those things because like sometimes Mm -hmm. you can, you can try and put on a tough exterior and all that kind of stuff. But deep down you're, you, you can be going through like the worst things in the world, but like, unless you're releasing that, that, that inner tension and that, that that inner stress that's inside of you, like in, in whatever way it is, like you won't ever make yourself feel, feel better. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I, I just think that's a great message and a positive message. And it's just, again, um, thanking you for being so open about it, being so free about it. You know, you've gone through all of these roller coaster of emotions throughout your life. And, you know, to share that um, is super important. No. Um, and uh, so thanks again. 
uh, Marcel, for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having you, me. Really. It's been a pleasure. Like it's literally been a pleasure just talking and just like just just it's just 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 talking about my experiences with it because I feel like I feel like it's good for for people to talk and express themselves because you know yeah, I mean a lot of people are going is. through the same kind of like things that 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 you might be going through. So it's really important. Really, really grateful to my guest, Marcel Somerville, for coming on and sharing his experiences of managing his mental health in the public eye. To hear more conversations surrounding digital mental health, you can also listen back to previous episodes of CB Talks. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode or any other episode in the series, please rate and review CB Talks so that we can help others discover it too. I'll be back next time looking at another way in which digital technologies are involved in mental health. I hope to see you then.